0: You can go from I should start a podcast to actually starting a podcast with Spreaker. Spreaker's tools allow you to record, manage, distribute, and monetize any podcast idea, whether it's about your business or even your cat. And as your podcast grows, Spreaker helps you manage your success and even monetize it. That means all you need to get started is a microphone and a really good idea. Learn more and get 30% off at Spreaker.com slash get started. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R dot com slash get started. Welcome to Overwatch, the show where you get a unique viewpoint on current events, politics, finance, cybersecurity, and trends, prophecy in the end times, religion, and the paranormal. Airing only on Firefall Talk Radio and the Firefall Network, I'm Richard Grund.
1: The world has changed. Wake up! The world you live in is just a up. There is another world in which
0: Well, tonight, we are talking about the paranormal, so I brought someone along. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, laughing already. Got you, got you. There's the first check mark. I broke first. All right, yeah, so you can figure out who I brought along to help me with. This show on the paranormal tonight. Welcome to Overwatch for the first time. Joe Citrone. He's an author, a drummer, a family man. He's recognized in the paranormal uh, investigative community. He walks by, people go, Hey, I recognize you. And he, <laughs> he has appeared on Paranormal Witness and is a founding member of it. <laughs> well, oh, <that's> great.
1: <laughs> I don't feel so bad. You just lost it three times.
0: Uh, I've been laughing all day thinking about that intro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going to be fun. Woo! Anyway.
1: So, so I listen. I want to just say this. I, I've missed this. I really have, you know, and. You know, we're in a different chapter of life and, and direction we're going. And this whole Overwatch thing, I think it's a, a wonderful thing. And it, it just embarks a whole new journey of 2020, you know, going into 2020. So I'm glad I'm here. Um, and, yes, here well, we are. But you, we've laughing talked, again. We've laughing talked again.
0: about this. So you should uh, – uh, consider you know bringing on your own paranormal reports uh and then we can come on and act crazy, but it 's Halloween, so how could we not get together and talk about Halloween and I want to share some new facts that i found out. This is from wallethub dot com and they get their information from the u s census bureau r- the retail organization and information sources they take all that and they put it into in uh, twenty nineteen they expect that eight point eight billion dollars will be spent on Halloween, that 76% of all Americans will spend at least $50 or less on Halloween, 68% will actually celebrate Halloween. Uh, 32% are throwing or attending a party and in watching social media and what people are doing, we'll talk about that. Uh, 46%, for, uh, 44% intend to carve a pumpkin. 49% will decorate their homes. 22% of Americans will visit a haunted house and haunted houses will generate $300 million. <sighs> Forty-seven percent plan to dress up in costumes. Three point two billion spent on costumes, and uh, you have one point three million kids will be witches. Two point four million will be their favorite superhero. Three point one million will dress as their favorite princess. Two million adults will be a vampire, and five million adults will be a witch. Two point six billion dollars spent on Halloween candy. Now that's the industry to get into. Uh, 29% of Americans will take their children trick-or-treating. 83% of parents will thankfully check their candy for dangerous items. And that last year, in 2018, horror movies generated $902 million. And this, this fact I, I got as an animal lover, and I know you have cats, black cats are not adopted out in, in October in most shelters to keep them from being abused on Halloween. Wow and uh, next year in 2020 there'll be a full moon on Halloween. The last time there was one was 2001 man we're we're in the wrong business. I don't even know where to go with that because imagine
1: all the candy that we could possibly have. I don't even want to think about eating all that candy because oh, yeah, you know. know you know back in the day, when there was candy sitting in that bowl throughout the whole day, whether it's little Snickers or whatever your favorite bites were, think about that, how much it's just easy to walk by, rip it and eat it but you said two interesting things. One, obviously, I, I didn't know that so much about the cats and I probably should have because black cats, Halloween, taking them out of shelters, sacrificing them, killing them, whatever they want to do with them, I, I it makes sense that it would be more prevalent but the other thing, when you were talking about all the preparations for Halloween, it's the candies, it's it's who, the merchandise, it's the masks, it's the costumes, it's the horror movies. You know, I, I know we've talked about it before, but do you think, I mean, obviously we know there's the portion that take Halloween very seriously as far as their ritual, their practices, their beliefs. I, I get all that. But take the kids and, and take... You know what they see. Hey, look, I'm going to my friend's house. I'm having a Halloween party. We're going to hang out. We're going to watch this spooky movie. We're going to, you know, going to get scared and and then we're going to be home and and all that stuff. It seems to be a very, you know, non-threatening thing that these kids are doing, because I think they believe, hey, I'm having fun, it's fall, it's uh, just a day I can go out and eat. Do you think that's where the deception also is being brought to, meaning like...
0: Especially now. You know, when I got saved in 88, from 88 till about 93 the church pushed back against halloween they stopped doing it in the schools and for a period of time it was considered hey we shouldn't do this now it's like everywhere it's on tv uh, and there's there's the deception is oh this is just silliness this is just costumes and candy there's nothing real about it in fact my wife and i were talking about it she kind of said that you know not every kid is going to be you know like you and i said wait but wait a second what if there's just one percent of the kids out there? One percent of these millions that like me have ancestral issues or like you and are gonna get sucked in by this. That's that's too many.
1: So what you all right, so I, I got it. So say there's two thousand kids in, you know, this whole section, right? There's two thousand kids and You know, 1,996 of them are fine. They get up in the morning, nothing happens. But, But those four with that imagination, those four with maybe some issues that they go on in their home life, maybe they dive a little bit further. Maybe they start looking at the Harry Potter stuff and then they're going online and they're saying, okay, you know what? I feel like a misfit now anyway. Let me try to get involved with something. So now it creates this whole fascination that goes down to what was a harmless little party with your friends, find yourself in a year from now um, summoning, right. summoning spirits. Right. So, yeah, I get that. You're right. Taking, that the, taking
0: the Ouija board. I mean, let's look at this. They said 1.3 million will be, kids will be a witch, 2.4 million a superhero, 3.1 million their favorite princess. So that's three, five, six point eight million 6.8 million kids. 10% is 600,000 or so. 1%, wow. 6,000. I mean, that's pretty, That's a pretty good catch if you're fishing, you know? Right. And that's what the enemy's doing. And they're fishing all year long. We know that. But Halloween just seems to be a bigger time. But I've noticed on social media, especially with people that I, I'm connected with on either Facebook or Instagram, especially the adults a lot of risque stuff a lot of you know women at bars and they're in their nightgowns or they're in some negligee and some of them unfortunately don't have the bodies for it but it doesn't matter uh, i looked at this one group of people and i went uh oh, does anybody have a mirror at home was there any moment you looked at this and said maybe i shouldn't go outside dressed like this huh and so it's the it's the desensitizing, something we've always talked a lot about, the desensitizing of the concept that Halloween is not a, a simple, nice little holiday. It's an occult holiday. It's based on a Samhain. It's based on the Celts. It's based on the demonic.
1: Now, do you think at this point, talking about... With what's happening with say say the witches, you've got the demonic, and then and you've got the witches saying that they're believing, they're believing they're they're doing things that go contrary to the devil, right? And we don't believe in the devil, and this is what we're trying to do. And then you have the ones that obviously do acknowledge Halloween as as that. Great night for them to, to do the rituals and all the dark things and the sacrifice and things that that's happening on the underground. Do you believe that a lot of these witches do, be, that that say they don't believe in the devil or they don't they don't practice anything that they believe is is evil? Do you do you believe that they believe that deep down, or is, or is it always gnawing at the back of my mind their mind to say, you know? Maybe there is something that we're doing that's wrong. I know we're trying to do oh, the well, whole I, earth thing. Did and,
0: you believe what you were doing was wrong? No, I didn't. I didn't either. Yeah. And I was, you know, I was doing what I thought was white witchcraft, which they now call Wicca. I didn't think what I was doing was wrong, I didn't think it was of the devil. Once the scales fell off my eyes and I saw the truth, I realized wow, they're, they're really, it's either God the kingdom of light, or the kingdom of darkness, and there really is no in-between. And so all these people would say, well, what I do is from God. And I would love to be able to have more conversations to say, do you even understand that these beliefs came from Babylon, Mesopotamia? They came right. from the land that was settled by the fallen angels. This is not of God, which is why he said, hey, stay away from this stuff. This is bad, but if you get... If you do it, there's no redemption for you. At least now we know that there's redemption. We've been redeemed, but back then there wasn't any. And I don't think they process the origins the way we do. They they have an idea where it comes from, but their mind doesn't go to, but that was started by the fallen angels. Everything I believe is from fallen angels. I don't think they process that.
1: Yeah, and I and I don't think so either because it's true. When you start to look in at the the beliefs and the rituals, and when you go out to Babylon, Egypt, you know Mesopotamia, you're right. You're absolutely right. They don't the people today, you know the, the especially the young kids because there are a lot of people in college that are involved with Wiccan, you know Wicker, and they're doing all these things, and it's like they think that they're on a a whole different level, like this whole different elite squad of witches of the new millennium that are coming in. And they're nothing like how it was, you know, being perceived or who was being persecuted but you're right. And and are they gonna think is that average person gonna go to the internet to start going deep into those roots and those foundations? No, because the second they start to look at it and say, Oh, okay, this is going into fallen angels, then you're going into Enoch, then you're going into all this stuff, and you're like, Oh yeah, that's all that that's all that religious junk. That that's a whole different thing. So they've all by default, they have talked themselves out of it and convinced themselves that what I'm doing isn't wrong. And as they keep getting deeper and deeper, they're manipulating themselves even more, saying, no, I'm not doing this. I'm not hurting people. I yeah, don't I'm not doing the what devil. those guys are saying. I'm not I, doing You could that. even apply
0: this to the paranormal community. This right. has been one of our gripes from day one. You right. guys are dancing with the devil. You're doing things that are causing problems. And you don't see, oh, we're not doing That's not what we're doing. Until we come along and we go, okay, let's show you. Who you're talking to. Let's really blow this wide open. Because when you do that, they may have to make a choice. Now you've backed them into a corner. Do I choose to agree with them? And get out of this, or do I think that they're, you know, they're biased based on their own personal experiences, and continue to dabble over here? And at what price? That's the one thing that none of these paranormal shows really want to talk about. What is the price for what they do? Speaking of price, I, w- I had to share this with you before I before I ask you to share some of that information you got on Salem. Um, I don't know if you've seen this on the news, but there is a haunted tour in Tennessee. That lasts for 10 hours. Wow. And the participants must clear a background check. They must sign a 40 page waiver. They must pass a physical and mental health exam. It originally started in San Diego, but got shut down. It's now, it starts in Summertown, Tennessee, and goes to Huntsville, Alabama, which is interesting. It goes there because Huntsville has a big um, paranormal Bigfoot kind of history. It's called the McKamey Manor, M-C-K-A-M-E-Y, Manor Experience, and it requires that the contestants, which is what they are called, be at least 21 years old or 18 with parental permission. They must be insured. They must pass a drug test, a two-hour preparedness video, social media screening, uh, and they must give a safe word to get out of the situation if it becomes too intense. Now the owner is Russ McCamey, and he's offered $20,000 to anyone who completes the tour. But no one ever has. And there's, and you know what the charge is to get in? You've just got to bring a bag of dog food for his five dogs. Wow. But most of the people don't even get past signing the waiver. Because one of the contestants who he said, I read it and I quit. I got to the last page, turned around, and went home. There's so much. You have to pull out your own teeth. There's a chance of getting a tattoo. A chance your fingernails get pulled out. It's overwhelming. They, They even warn you that there's a chance of death.
1: You know, I think I did hear something like that. I don't know if it was the exact place, but well, it's, been all, it's, yeah, it's been all over the news, it's been all over the
0: news, and Netflix even has a, a, a series called "Dark Tourist," and they covered this house in episode eight. Gonna, I want to check it, check it out, but uh, just do to do. see how bizarre this is. But my first thought is, OK, you're not asking for any money, so who paid for all this? Right. Second of all, why? Why do this?
1: You know, you know what I, it brings me to that. What was the movie? The franchise. There was like I don't know six or seven different movies, but was it Saw? Was it the Saw one where they would make you do things to just yes, to get okay, out? Okay, right. To get out. It kind of reminds me a little bit, not so much in that obviously deep detail as the movie, but it's kind of like you're going through this maze, say. That you're signing all this information, and I'm sure as soon as you sign it all and and they have everything down legally to every little thing, that once you get in, I don't know if you can turn back. Yeah. like I, I think that you kind of have to almost go through it. And if it is getting a tattoo you know, or or fingernails, I mean, just think of all that torture. So it is it's kind of like somebody's getting pleasure of watching these people get tortured. Maybe not like we see on Saw. Obviously, that's a movie. But but still, once you get in there, the fear factor has got to be unbelievable and you can't turn around and sue because you've probably signed everything. In
0: one of the stories uh, he huh. talked. the guy talked about people that brought the police back and first he shows them the waiver and he videotapes everything and nothing ever happens but just think of the fear factor. If I'm a fallen angel, if I'm a demonic entity and I need to be fed And fear is one of the things I feed off of. I'm going to inspire something like this. And uh, there is a hormone, I can't think of the name of it right now, there's a hormone that enters the blood during heightened states of fear. And some of the people that believe in the child rituals, that's what they're feeding off of that high of the child's fearful uh, experience before it dies. Forgive me for, for bringing that up for anybody that gets freaked out, but we know it does happen. So you're looking at all these horror homes how many how much did I say 30 something million dollars right will be spent on haunted houses I mean that's just crazy. Just think of the amount of fear that's generated in each one of these places. Uh, you have Universal Studios has their Halloween Horror Nights. You have all these different places. Even churches do it. I, it that just blows my mind. Churches do it for fundraising. And like, oh, it's just innocent. You know, really? What, then why are we told not to do this?
1: And here's the other thing that hit me, too. We talk about We talk about energy out there. Imagine the energy that goes into everybody simultaneously during Halloween that are getting scared, that fear. So fear produces its own energy that I think is enough to activate the fallen to – to make a move. It's, you know what I mean? I mean, granted, it's not a sacrifice, but I'm just wondering. If- well, it's
0: an energy. It's, it's an, an em- energy. it's a it's a radiance. It's a transmission of EMF energy that has a specific signature of fear.
1: Absolutely, and
0: that's what I think is happening. It's kind of like it kind of lights the wick,
1: and then anything can happen right after that. As right. soon as you just get it kick started, and you've got you know obviously, and, and not only that, the the beliefs and, and the practices start before Halloween. So it's usually within that first week, you know, three or four days before right. Halloween into that final day, and you can only imagine, which we know what you know what happens in the underground on Halloween. You know, you know, how it's affecting people, who's actually disappearing. Who never comes back I mean just think of it And not only that Think of the ones that have children Just for sacrificing Like that all just goes without being ever heard.
0: You know we just go through Yeah nobody wants to talk about that I remember when I first got saved And started pointing that out Or when we first started Reflections in the Dark Way back in 2010 And tried to point that out Everybody tries to poo-poo it Oh that's that's just uh, Those are not real facts Yes they are Yes they are Uh, We know children are disappearing every day. We know that they're never being seen again. A certain percentage of these people, maybe they're lost, maybe they've uh, run away. Where are the rest? In fact, you know, if you follow what's going on on social media right now, a lot of people are really talking about that. And so when you relate it to Halloween, you have to relate it to, I found the number, $300 million generated each year. From haunted house that 's it, it it would be a great documentary to follow these places and find people and you know find out what happened to you, did your life change? See what the percentage is of people that are affected but you know one of the top tourist spots, not just on Halloween but uh, most of the year is Salem, Massachusetts. And that's not too far from you, and we've talked about Salem, but it, if I understand, you've done some research on Salem.
1: I've done some research on Salem because obviously we know there's the Taurus aspect of Salem. Then it's the story that we all know. And you can you can go on the Internet, and you can look at all just the things that happened in the trials, and you can base your own things on on you know what you think happened or what is said to happened, but I ended up going a little bit deeper into some of it and uh, I found some interesting things and and I want to share them obviously, and then I want you Richard to give me your thoughts in, in conclusion with everything and 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 see where it goes because no matter what. And this is this was my whole thought. I sit there and, you know, I'm reading things on Salem. It's not far from us. It's less than two hours. You know, they make a lot of money. It's a tourist trap. A lot of, you know, where the hangings and everything took place is not even in that village that they call Salem village. That that's further away from there. So you're not even in. The whole heart of it, all there's more. Yeah, there is more. There is more to that. So my thought was, you have the, the the people who have investigated it, and of course they always denounce the devil into it. They always do. They always say, "Yeah, well, you know what? This happened, that happened." Of course, they said the devil, and there's no proof that's the devil. But let me read this my notes here and then you you start to see it unfold and you tell me when you draw the conclusion that it still concludes to me in my opinion it still concludes the devil's in the mix of it all but let me let me just go so you got Salem you know in 1692 you have this which is now modern day danvers so see there's danvers massachusetts and then there's salem the actual village itself is in danvers it's not it's not in the town of salem per se it's in danvers massachusetts so modern day danvers the puritans come in they already were against the indians for the indians that were in there with the bloodshed they they deemed them as being evil the puritans come in because they always thought the indians were agents of the devil The Puritans come in, you've got, and what they wanted to do was they wanted to build a new Eden. Their whole thought was the new Jerusalem, the new Eden in this area in the town of of Salem, we'll say. okay. So then you had the men, you had the women, you had the slaves, and the children were all divided in the church samuel paris is the one that came in in 1689 he was a businessman he had a lot of things going on with him that failed he comes into the town he starts doing the churches and and the preaching and all this stuff and now he starts to build this 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 little confines that he was trying to put together the perfect place so He used a lot of manipulation to control the village. Then his children, so you've got Abigail Williams, and then you've got Betty, uh, which was his daughter. Um, You had his children who was listening to him, all the stuff that was going on politically in the town, the manipulation, the preaching of the hellfire and damnations, as he believed all women were easy targets— for Satan. Now you had these children, his children, who got the least amount of attention. With everything that was going on, it was always about the men. Keep that in mind. It was always about the men. It's always about the men. So now, two girls, Abigail and Betty, are sitting here, and they get they, they do what is called it's they get a Venus glass. So they get a Venus glass. They crack eggs into the bowl they see it and that they use that to see the future so that's their first use of divination which they knew that divination was forbidden in the town they do that because what ended up happening is they believe that they that would tell them their future husbands okay so historically
0: we have not to interrupt you historically we have they actually did do some occult practices
1: absolutely these kids did the occult practices exactly they did the occult practices and they wanted to see who their future husbands okay so now they do this when they did it they felt really guilty and believed at that point that they may have sold their souls to the devil because of using these forbidden practices that were against the town anyways, so out of fear they had this whole thought that you know what, what we did was wrong okay, suddenly, now watch suddenly after that Betty Paris and Abigail Williams and, and don't forget, Abigail was only 17 at this point started acting strange, taking violent fits, speaking in tongues this started a whole paranoia now Tituba which was Paris's slave that lived in the house, okay? She was from Barbados. She used a cult activity, okay, to help the two girls, which they referred to as folk magic. So there was harmful magic, they believed, and then there was folk magic, and folk magic was healing, using herbs and things like that. So Tichibur turns around and does that. She makes what is called a witch cake. Now listen to this. A witch cake. It's a, it's a counter magic. The witch cake was a supernatural dessert used to identify suspected evildoers. In cases of mysterious illness or possession, witch hunters would take a sample of the victim's urine, mix it with rye meal and ashes and bake it into a cake using rye, and using the children's urine to make biscuits. Okay? Now Watch. She does this now. Here's those girls, okay, looking for a husband, lonely, are not heard because women have no say in that town. It was all right. controlled by the men. Right. Now Tichaba comes and says, "We're going to do this, and this is going to counter this and that." Now they're also they're also hearing the conversations of Paris and all the towners that coming in, other ministers coming in to say what could have caused this, why this. Then, now we have the dawn of the witch trials. So, during the spring of 1692, the group after this claimed that they were possessed by the devil and accused all these women of of witchcraft. So, this is what was happening. They had this man who they believed was the devil, man in black with a hat, had them sign a book, they said. And every time they signed the book, he... A spectra, okay, that's what they call them, a spectra would appear to them and reveal who the next person was. Now, if you could picture Salem Village as a whole, you've got the section where the church was, and then you had the ones that had no money because it was driven politically by money, who did not have money, could not even afford food, who actually begged the Puritans, men of God, allegedly, for food because they couldn't put food on the table for their kids they were kind of an outcast so the girls it was very easy for the girls to once they got into this hysteria they couldn't back out so now other people in the town other women in the town kids mind you are all dropping they 're flopping on the floor they 're speaking in tongues they 're doing this they 're all coming out and accusing all the people who fit the, who fit the stereotypical right. um, wish the way they dressed, the way they talked, the way they spoke, how they didn 't always believe contrary. To how they were shown at church, even though some of those witches who were hung did confess that Jesus Christ was their Lord and Savior, and they did believe in God, and they didn't—they didn't really care at that point. Now, here's where it gets interesting, and this is the whole thing. Okay, you had more than 200 people that were accused of practicing the, the witchcraft, right? The devil's magic, they called. 20 of them were executed. Okay. Some argue, now this is the cold key, some argue that the girl suffered from convulsion ergotism, a condition caused by ergot, a type of fungus, listen, found in rye and other grains. It produces hallucinogenic effects, LSD type effects in the afflicted and can cause victims to suffer from vertigo, crawling sensations on the skin tingling, headaches, hallucinations, and seizure-like muscle contractions. So you just say, okay, fine. Maybe there was something in the rye, maybe in the whiskey.
0: Which would make sense because of the, the cleanliness, the, uh, everything that was going on that time. There was some hygiene issues and there was some, you know, germ issues.
1: Absolutely. So you're saying, case closed. No. Then there's more. That's what Mulder said. Mulder said, "Scully, there was more." So listen, here we go. Abigail Williams now remember, she's 17 years old. She played the main protagonist in this whole thing and is primarily responsible for spreading the hysteria, okay, throughout Salem. She was 17-year-old, and you' ready for this? had carried a passionate affair with John Proctor. Now all of a sudden And and Proctor at that point Was in his 30s, 40s, maybe even older I don't know exact how age he was Okay, Now She has an an affair with him It leads the girls to court In their witchcraft Accusations When Abigail is questioning About her sexual affair with John Proctor After he now confesses And Abigail denies it Abigail breaks into her Uncle's lockbox Steals all his money And leaves Salem with Mercy Lewis Politics, land control Sexual affairs with teenagers Is what led to the majority of the chaos Wow Okay now, the girls, to keep the heat off of them, claimed to see more specters along the way. And every time they felt that the pressure was on them, they would look in the room across and see somebody that did not, who who, who looked like, you know, they had oily hair. They look like, you know, hags, witches. They turn around, start convulsing. And then they and then they'd, and then, the, you know, the, the townspeople say, who you see now? Who are they showing you now? So- and then they would point and say it's her it's that one so so now they're getting accused they're getting thrown in jail Tichiba gets thrown in jail which all she was trying to do was to please john paris as the slave thinking she was doing good to help the kids they turn around the kids and take advantage of that and say she gave me a she gave me something she said this is going to get it so now of course she gets thrown in jail because what did you give my kids? What, did you, what kind of spell did you put on them now? So now I start to see everything that has been going on.
0: Also, if you, if I remember correctly, she claimed that the owner beat the confession out of her. Absolutely. And she kind of made it up as she went along. Now, what made Titchup
1: was smart in all this,
0: she told them exactly what they wanted to hear
1: she got thrown in jail and because she did that and confessed she ended up getting free so she she didn't die Tichiba lived so if you if you and that's what it all happened who owned land the guy that was pressed to death with the stones yeah. all that all that was political Yeah that came into land. it
0: at the end some of the people saw it as a way to get to take people's land that they couldn't buy and couldn't get legally so they they did that to that one guy they crushed him to a horrible death of just keep laying rocks on him until he suffocated to get his land and all he had to do was confess his witch, they wouldn't kill him, and they'd take his
1: land. So now, obviously, it goes deeper and deeper. You can have all these conversations, but here's what I'm trying to say. And this is where I want to hand it off to you right after this. Okay, I get it. Based on the kid's knowledge of listening to their father talk scripture, and they were ingrained scripture day in and day out, Damnation, hellfire, the whole nine yards. Listening in on conversations, on political conversations, probably when they shouldn't have. They take all this information and they create this whole imaginative hysteria. And what ended up happening is one thing leads to another. It's a chain, it's like a chain reaction. Now I got the bread. This one's trying to help me. Now they're talking to the other girls within the community, and they're over here saying the same thing. Now they're all building a pack together, and now everybody is all confused, like Who's telling the truth? Who's a witch? And of course they're going to give more credence to the children until they started realizing about the affair that was going on with a 17-year-old and a 40-something-year-old. Then it started getting deeper and deeper. But here's my whole point. I can understand everything being made up. I can understand that there might have been LSD, hallucinogens in the rye. I get all that. I could probably say... Can you find an actual figure in there that was the devil? Did he appear to these girls? I don't think so. It's possible, though. I think they took a lot of this information. But here's, here's what it seems that nobody gets. Even though you didn't see anything, maybe there wasn't a specter. Maybe there weren't these demonic figures. Maybe there wasn't this guy with a black book. Maybe there was none of that at all. But here's the whole thing. Satan is still in the mix of it all Absolutely. because he caused this manipulation, this domino effect by attacking the church, who attacked the children, who attacked the slaves, who attacked the townspeople, who attacked the in, in, you know the innocent people, and caused wreaked havoc on a land that they confess to say, this is going to be the New Eden. So this becomes the New Eden. The serpent goes into the garden, if you will, and now it domino effects. He gets the air of, of these two girls who are vulnerable, who are dabbling into the occult, and it sets this whole offset. So what I don't understand is why can't anybody see the fact that even if you took the supernatural and the devil out of the equation he still is in the equation by the fruits that produced on that town during that hysteria where they tried to cast satan out with satan as far as i'm concerned i still don't know why nobody can see it i'm not saying if all these people were witches maybe some of them were did they deserve to die Probably not, especially in the way that they were being accused. But but the devil still won because they all died. And Abigail, which not many people, even like if you talk to the historians about Salem, they don't even understand it, that Abigail was 17 years old when this happened. I believe she when she fled and took off, she ended up dying when she was 21. I don't think she lived four years, maybe five tops after all that happened anyway she died so so it's it's almost like she even tried to get away after causing all this and then she died anyway so at what cost did right. they sacrifice did anybody make a pact? I don't know either way, but I can tell you, no matter what happened, that the devil used the Puritans, the church, if you will, at that point in time, a political church that really was all about controlling the slaves, the women, separating, doing all that stuff to take, take, take control of everything, and I think the devil blindsided them all. And and here you have it, you know. You know the expression. Later.
0: The expression that comes to mind is the devils in the details. Well, the devils what? in these details, and you have to look at it from that perspective. Of well, they 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 they, they killed them, they burned them, they drowned them. Wait a second, that's Old Testament. All of that got negated with the cross, the covenant of grace. The job should have been to set them free, to heal them, not to kill them. So we we know that that wasn't God. We know the affair with the older guy and the 17-year-old girl, which happened a lot in those days, from what I understand, that's not God. The treatment of uh, Tituba who's from Barbados, she's got her own superstitions, maybe she believes that. I, you know, I don't know, but she gets beaten into a confession, anybody with any common sense knew what was going on. See, then you get into the things we even see today. The people at the top, the people in power, they know the truth, but to expose the truth has too great a price. If you If you expose the truth, more than likely, they're going to destroy you or even possibly kill you, so you go along with it. Abigail goes along with it. She started a domino effect that now she can't stop. And even if she did, would they have listened? Oh no, she's she's confused. The devil's controlling her. This is the truth, and now it's too late. It's too late. The fire has been started, and you're right. The church, which should have been the beacon of hope and truth and and the light that exposed everything, was really the fire behind it. Absolutely. And
1: you know, it kinda hit me, you know, in all the years that I've I've known there and you know, I the town itself like i said where gallows hill was and and where all that stuff took place was in danvers they took this little area of salem congregated it made it in a a tourist trap you know you had the Hawthorne hotel over there and you know turning it into a whole thing and people have this perception oh no you go to salem they're all devils and witches and 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 yeah sure Are, are they all there it just so happens to be that they moved to satanic temple um, it, in Salem as well I mean I, I get all that all, all I'm saying is I think we as, as you know Christians have to stop and realize that the devil doesn't really just necessarily need to use evil against you that he can take the manipulation factors of the church and your motives where your heart is and kind of just work it's work his you know magic if you will to make these things happen and one day i truly believe and, and maybe maybe in 2020 it might happen that i have this vision of a little documentary done by a little crew known as srt could really do a little investigation of the true origins in more of a documentary on Salem on a spiritual aspect not the legal documents not the court documents not what you're told but the whole underlying thing that's really happening supernaturally and just kind of tie it all together I think that would be another place
0: that we would definitely add to the list we could call it the devils in the details but absolutely when you think about that New England, for whatever reason, has got its own paranormal history. We we know from our experiences there's a lot of reasons. One is the church really isn't that powerful. The church that is the most powerful there is the Roman Catholic Church. And forgive me if anybody gets offended, they're really not a deterrent to any of this. Um, Matter of fact, there's a TV show I mentioned to you, and I've tried to watch it, and I'm struggling, called Evil. And it's about the Roman Catholic Church, and they send these people out to confirm whether they're demons or not. And the show tries to do certain things they really don't understand. But the picture they present is that the church is powerless, the demons are very powerful, and then you have people in the middle that really don't know what the heck they're doing. And I guess that's the drama that they want. But not too far from you is another place that seems to become really popular and that's the real conjuring house oh yeah and it's going to open to the public soon i don't know if it's going to be a bed and breakfast or they're going to let investigators come in there but the the basic story is if if our listeners don't know in the 1970s uh, a family called the perron family that five daughters they lived in this harrisville house built in 1736 Paranormal activity um, prompted investigators, Ed and Lorraine Warren, to, you know, the famous Connecticut paranormal investigators to come there. And that inspired the 2013 horror movie called The Conjuring. Well, this couple, Corey and Jennifer Heinzen, they discovered in a forum that the house was up for sale and they bought it. And they want to open it up to visitors and investigators. And Heinzon said, we immediately fell in love with it. Eight and a half acres, a river in the back, a pond. It's so serene, you know, never mind the story behind the house. But he even said, it makes me a little nervous for my own safety. Uh, we're kind of opening ourselves up to the unknown. He's, he himself is uh, supposedly a paranormal investigator for about 10 years. And so he he fascinated. He buys this house, even speaks to Andrea Perron before buying the house. Now, you've encountered her, right? Yes. Does she seem sincere in her experiences, or did you look at somebody who's uh, had a l- little experience and turned into something she can make money off of.
1: So here's my perception on Andrea. I mean, meeting her, talking to her, I had ran into her at a convention, and then I ran into her at another event. And uh, she's she's a she's a nice person. I think she has. Um, She's very emotional. She has ties to that home because that is where all her good memories are of her her mom and things like that. Um, And I think that she, my honest opinion, I think that she keeps, she wants to keep that all alive because those are the times in her life where she felt the most whole as a person and with her family. Now, granted, here it is all these years later, she's getting attention, she's writing books, but I believe her motive is really because she has these strongholds that go to that house so no to, to answer your question um to talk to her you would be like no no she seems like she has everything together in that i just don't think that she's she has a hard time letting go of this stronghold well, most and- of
0: these people do and the thing that we have found and if any of our people that we've helped are listening don't be offended by this but more often than not Real things are happening, but these people are looking for attention. They need somebody to tell them it's okay, or that what they're seeing and hearing is real. And, of course, we go in, and if it is real, we we get rid of it. But in her case, you know, just like the people that came out of the Amityville house, they're, they're still living off of this experience. They're going to the Paracons. They're selling the books. They're going on to the podcast. And, again, it's like Salem the devil's still being fed the devil's still in the details and even the guy who bought the house said, you know, he was fascinated with the Warrens. So it's a piece of paranormal history. Right. They've been in there, doors open, which could happen because, uh, as we know from being in these old houses, they're not balanced. Things just do fly open. Footsteps and knocks, well, it could be the house settling. Uh, they, the, they don't feel anything evil, but they have a hard time staying in the house. Uh, the one thing that we have done and seem to have done more as we went along is we tried to find a natural cause for the experience. Once we eliminated that, then we had only one place left to go. You have this house. I don't know anything about the history of the land. I don't know what went on in that area. I don't know about the bloodshed, the Native American activity. But most of New England is like this. Listen,
1: absolutely. And it holds that whole air. You've got the ghost hunters, you had the Warrens, you have Zaphis. you've got um Vampire's Grave. I mean, yeah, you're you got the Conjuring House. I mean, there is. You've got everything in New England. You have Salem. But let me just say this, and, and you know, this probably would be great um for notes. I should I should probably take it, but you know, in a future interview or you know, what we're what we're gonna be doing, you know, as as SRT, I have to say this. For somebody like myself that's living in New England, who had his experience, who's dabbled into the occult, who's seen a lot of things, who became a paranormal investigator to find out more, there's nothing that I didn't like back then was to be able to find a link to the supernatural and if it was speaking to spirits at the time or or ghosts of you know residuals or people who have died you know you kind of take that approach of more of i guess a secular than a a a faith-based um outlook on the paranormal because when you think of it like poltergeist and all those movies it is all about science it's all about it's not, it's everything contrary to the Bible, and it makes more sense, and people are able to believe a residual haunting or a shadow person before you would say a hey, demon. I, I get all that. But all through all these years, this is what I can conclude. The shows that I've done, the investigations that I've been on, I can tell you this all the evidence still to this day, now, even more so now, now that I see things a lot differently. Has all led to the supernatural and the demonic. And and why I say it like that, we'll say the fallen, however you want to perceive it. Here's why I say it there is more evidence of the demonic through EVPs and pictures right. than spirits of human beings.
0: And, and Even if we go down percent. that road, one of right. the controversial positions I take, and I know people in the church don't like it, but one of the controversial positions I take, and I believe our evidence uh, bears out, is that we are encountering, c- encountering human spirits, but they're people that are in the outer darkness. Right. They're not in heaven, they're not in paradise, they're not where they should be. And we are experiencing them either through a breach or something's giving them access. Most of the spirits that we encountered in the Sally House, outside of the strong man, were human spirits that were trapped there, but that were not in paradise. They did not go to heaven that first that house in uh, Rhode Island oh jemima Wilkinson house yeah yep same thing the feeling down there was she was stuck there she wasn't in paradise she wasn't where she thought she was supposed to be and the minute I said that out loud you got overcome with this overwhelming sadness that's right exactly
1: and and that's what I that and that's what I have to conclude I go in there trying to find the human aspect of how people perceive the afterlife is in a very paranormal, secular, scientific route. And I come out on the other side and I have to draw the conclusions based on not my beliefs as a person only. But as an investigator, I have to say I have more proof of the demonic than I do of anything else, even in EDP. So so now what do you do when you have that information? You have to take that information and you have to find a way to put it into a, a documentary or or reports or whatever you need to do to be able to reach other people to say, listen, look at it in this way, you know, take out, take out, you know us being, you know, zealots or however you want to see it. Take all that out. We that out and just hear the story. Hear what we have to say. And I guarantee that the majority of people after they've talked to us are gonna say, Hey, you know something? I I think they're on, on I think they're on to something here. And that's where I think we're we're excelling as people, as as a team, is we want people to just stop and think and say, "Hey, you know what?"
0: Yeah, there, there's another. They got
1: something. They're right. onto something. There's because another. There's
0: another yeah. explanation right. that the exactly. TV shows don't want to tell you because it's not dramatic. It doesn't, you know, sell the ratings. The movies kind of shy away from. And and again, we could say that that's the influence of the fallen because they're trying to keep you. Hey, look over here. Don't listen to those guys. Look over here. And. We have struggled with the the financing and all the other stuff, and I believe that's changing, to be able to say, hey, let us tell you a story, and then when we're done, you can do with it what you want. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, that's kind of why, you know, the Halloween thing, People, it's, it's easy to point them to it, but then they, oh, well, you know, I, I had it growing up. I'm, some of my greatest memories. And I cannot tell you the number of people that I know personally or know from social media that claim to be strong believers, Christians that go to church, they, they say and do all the right things, and they see no harm. In Halloween, They see no harm in some of the things that we for years on Reflections in the Dark went into tremendous detail on the origins of Halloween, what it really means, the black cats, the, the pumpkins, all of that, and they still can't see it until something happens in their life. That personal experience changes and go, oh, maybe this isn't what I thought it was. And you take somebody like Andrea Peron. I don't know her. I, do, I have seen her on the Internet. I have seen the, the Conjuring films, which I know are exaggerated. But the fact is, maybe she did experience something. Maybe she got imprinted by something in that house and that land, and she's carried it with her, and that's become her identity. To go to her and say, hey, we want to set you free, that's a tough decision because now she has to give up the only thing that makes people want to talk to her. And it's funny that you say that, and I'll, and I'll just say this to you, is that
1: Andrea had a problem with the, the previous owners. She was not even allowed to go on the property. When the new people bought into it and then they got it, they let her spend the night there, I guess, Um You know before she did this paranormal paracon i believe it was and uh they let her stay there and when she was given a little speech she got really emotional because she was allowed to go back in there and 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 she says um after she had spent the you know the family you know the the husband and wife there let her stay in there she says it was great to me I, i i was crying i was so happy because i knew i was home again and wow. that goes into what you were saying about that stronghold or being tied and there's some sort of connection that has brought her to that place. And I don't know if it stemmed for maybe the maybe the memories of her life or those great memories that she has stems from that house or what happened in the house that has left that that stronghold on her. But either way, it's something that has a grip on her. And you uh, you're interesting.
0: Right. But, you know, you brought up something here. A lot of the people we've helped – now, we've been sent there by God to do something with the Lord, do something very specific, shut things down, get rid of things. In the process, we are helping these people. But a lot of times, they go back to their old behavior because – it's a part of who they are. It's a stronghold. It's a, it's a mindset. And so while we've shut the, the doorways and the big and the bads don't come through, they still get the orbs. And then, oh, look at this picture. Look at this orb I got. Look at this. Look at that. And you're going, why are you still doing this? Why are you still feeding them and giving them the energy and the acclamation and the affirmation that they need? It's because without that, nobody pays attention to them. You got it, absolutely. And again, the devil's in the details. Of he still, he doesn't win, but he hasn't been completely defeated. Well, this is really cool. We we should do this more often. And uh, uh you know, I'll try not to laugh as much. And and I got I got to tell you, part of the laughing was of thinking about laughing. <laughs> That's 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 my biggest
1: problem. When you when you were texting me and you were saying, hey, look, we got to we should, you know, record this and and do all that. I'm laughing because I'm thinking about laughing and I'm visualizing you laughing, which is making me
0: laugh. (laughs) Before I woke up. I woke talk. up. I didn't sleep much last night. Actually, there's a lot going on spiritually right now, so I'm not getting a lot of sleep. And I thought about doing this and started laughing. I had to put my face in the pillow. <laughs> I started laughing. And at least we can. At least we can do that. We're like those two kids in school that you can't ever put next to each other, especially if you went to Catholic school. Out, and that, take your desk and out in the, the- hallway. Yeah
1: that's the biggest phenomenon too and 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 we can end it with this that is the biggest phenomenon to research i go there we go film whatever we're doing whether it's a a a podcast or filming or whatever you laugh and i still can't explain why i'm laughing matter of fact when it first hit us when we were in alabama i started laughing and you started laughing and i say to myself I don't even know what I why I'm laughing, but I can't stop laughing, and it's
0: been a plague it's the, ever it's, since. It's the anticipation of breaking. Exactly, it's that it's that moment of I, I'm not going to break. I'm not going to break. Oh, the heck with it! I'm going to break. And you can't stop it. And <laughs> right. once it starts, and then everybody you've starts looking at you like, what, what is what is wrong with the two of you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you just got to just let the fit.
0: Got to let you it go. Got to go. get it out of the system because this could be so serious. But uh, good stuff, man. I'm glad you came on, and I uh, look forward to doing this again.
1: Absolutely. It was great to be here, and uh, hopefully our, our listening audience out there will, will laugh with us on our next show.
0: Amen. You may not always agree with our point of view, but you will be challenged, you will be informed, and hopefully you'll be inspired to do the research necessary to know more. If you'd like to contact us with some topics you'd like covered on Overwatch, go to firefalltalkradio.com. If you'd like to support what we do, you can go there and do that as well. I'm Richard Grunn. This has been an Overwatch report on Firefall Talk Radio. (music) Don't just learn, learn smarter.